What's up, y'all? Welcome to Eyes in the Dark. Anyways, yeah. we're a horror movie podcast. That's a horror. Yeah, it's not a rap podcast, as I may have led you to believe by my over-enthusiastic rap stylings. I was into it. You were into it. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I felt, I felt thuggish. Thuggish. Yeah, and I felt kind of hard. Thugly. I, I yeah. felt pretty thugly. Anyways, so this Eyes in the Dark. We're a horror movie podcast, and our motto, let's see if I can get it right this time, is death by celluloid. Nailed it. I did it. That's good. I did it. I had a lot of lead up to make sure that I could get it right this time. Practice in front of a mirror? Yeah. All these mirrors here, by the way. Um, We're in a house of mirrors this week. It is. Mm -hmm. It is a house of mirrors because what's more terrifying than just seeing yourself everywhere? That's the most terrifying thing I ever see in life ever is myself. (laughs) Turning me on. Sad. So welcome to this horror movie podcast where it's just three Dudes being sad about our lives, apparently, and about the way we look in mirrors. Uh, my name's Chewy. As always, I've got Evan the Bronster here. Hi. I've got Dr. Jurassic Price, the tome of horror knowledge and film knowledge in general, and just tome. knowledge. What's a tome? That's what we're looking Me. at him right there. Is Did you just mispronounce tomb? No. Nope. Tome. Like, no. you know, tome. It was a word created to describe me. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It describes okay. James here. Right. So anyways, uh, you might be wondering a little bit about our show. We'll tell you about that here in a second. But if you're a returning listener, if you are a fan of the Unholy Trinity already, you can go ahead and actually reach out to us um, via Twitter at EITD pod. You can also reach out to us individually. For me, Chewy, it's at Chupacabra, C-H-E-W-P-A-C-A-B-R-A. Uh, for Evan, that's me, you know, the guy that sucks. Um, my Twitter is <laughs> at Evan the Braun. No one's correcting him on it. <laughs> We're just rolling with it. And uh, as always, you can reach out to me at Jurassic Price. Cool. Um, we Jurassic. can also be reached uh, via email. If you actually want to email us, uh, we can go ahead and take some suggestions. We could take some criticism and then cry about it and drink some beer mm-hmm. and then forget that you criticize this because fuck you. I do that every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 99 problems. And beer solves them all. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait. Hold on. I saw yeah. an awesome shirt today. Uh, it was an old man mm-hmm. wearing a beer shirt. And it said, in dog beers, I'm only one. Yeah? Or, sorry. It said, in dog beers, I've only had one. Oh, okay. You know, dog years are like seven years yeah, to yeah. one year. That's so good. he's actually had seven. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Math. It's cool. Math is scary. I kind of wanted it because I'm getting old and I wanted a, a beer shirt that's for an old man. I have this giant like... That doesn't make sense. Why? Because if in dog beers he'd had one, then he'd actually had one-seventh of a beer. Yep. So what's going on with the podcast tonight? <laughs> well, if you want to reach out to us <laughs> via email, you can do so. Um, you can send us an email at... Um, eyes in the dark podcast at gmail.com uh, you can always uh, visit us on our website and the network website because we are a stuff and things network podcast um, for our particular show it's eyes in the dark podcast.com and for the network where you can listen to all of our great shows um, you can visit stuff and things network.com um, other than that though just kind of tell you a little bit about ourselves here we do a horror movie podcast as I've mentioned for the sixth time this uh, episode and um, a still little hasn't of, changed a little bit of backstory here 
uh, just so you kind of know where we are, you know, I've loved horror movies for a long time. You know, I kind of got into them a little bit, you know, towards the end of high school and college. And I kind of first was discovering like foreign uh, horror films, in particular Asian cinema, Asian horror cinema and the zombie flicks. And that's kind of what got me really passionate about these movies. Um, what about you, Evan? What, what was kind of your intro to horror? Um, I, I kind of watched everything growing up. I mean, I, starting with like horror, uh, sorry, zombie movies and like things like Hellraiser and Child's Play and things like that, you know, classic stuff. And classic then, things that you should watch as children. Yeah, you know, you know, in third grade, you know, having the entire Child's Play trilogy under your belt. Mm-hmm. Pretty, con- pretty cool accomplishment. <laughs> and how about you? Conv- convincing your mom that Child's Play was actually just a relevant movie? Of yeah. Time. Oh, don't get yourself. My mom owned, my mom owned all the Hellraiser movies, yeah, and she yeah. let me watch them whenever I wanted. Yeah. She's oh, terrible. did she call you her little Hellraiser? No, my aunt used to call me the no. Spawn of Satan. Oh, so the Omen. Yeah. Perfect. I was a dickhead when I was a kid. <laughs> you are the Omen. Memories. What about what about you, James? What what <laughs> why are why are you here in terms of horror? What has you so horribly fascinated? You know what I used to love when I was a kid? I was probably, I don't know, fifteen. Before I could drive, so fourteen, yeah. fifteen. We'd go to Blockbuster, my buddy and I, and we'd go pick out a mo- a horror movie just based on its the cover. Yeah. Because we were you know, we didn't know anything. But that's how I got exposed to a lot of horror movies because their covers are the best. When yeah. you go to the video store and you're looking at like action movies, you're like, oh, there's a fire on every single one. Yeah, it gets a little tiring. <laughs> fire. Yeah, and then romantic comedies, you're like, she's hot. I don't care about that guy. So, yeah, you know, that only, <laughs> fool, that only fools you once or twice. Yeah, we're not going to see boobs. They make so. you think you're going to see boobs, but the tits are really in horror movies. Yep. Yep. Uh, thank you, Blockbuster, for uh, displaying those covers. <laughs> you, know what, you know what got me early to yeah. an early one was It. Oh, I saw it yeah. when I was like fourteen. And I was like, this, yeah. "This is terrifying." I saw that movie when I was a kid because my yeah. grandma, my grandma used to, my grandma was a big reader. My grandma used mm-hmm. to read a lot of Stephen King, and then when me and my cousin was staying with her one time, we were like, "Oh, let's go rent a movie." And then she's like, "Oh, it, I read that," and we rented it, and <laughs> she like she almost shit her pants. Oh, yeah, my God, she was terrified because she hates spiders. And at the oh, end of it, yeah, that's, he turned yeah, into yeah. a gigantic spider. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> no, actually, that's the worst part of the movie. Yeah. It's been out yeah. since like the 80s. You've had time to yeah. watch 80. it. <laughs> if what, is, what, about the, what was the ending of the movie? Was he just what, was he, he's an alien? What, didn't he yes. end up being an alien? He's an alien spider. It's an, an alien, alien spider. spider an from... alien that can like take form for whatever, and he, yeah. he takes the form of a spider. Yeah. And a clown. Yes. Yep. Really, he could be anything that he, he takes wants. takes the form though. of Tim Curry. It's kind of a stupid alien if yes, you think about any, it. Yes, any, and asthma medicine kills him. Yeah, it mm-hmm. burns his face. Mm-hmm. You know, a Battery cold. acid, you slime. Yep, <laughs> I know the line. They're remaking that movie. <laughs> I heard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's going to be in it? Uh, I don't know. I hope I it's not remember. all like stupid and dark. I don't know if they've cast <laughs> it yet, but the director has done like one other prominent movie. Oh, okay. Like, like I was all for the Evil Dead remake. Like I was yeah. into it. But at the same time, it was it was way different from the original. Yeah, and I yeah, hope like was, they don't ruin bummer. it by that because it was it's kind of a classic but like awesome movie. Two like, discs. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember. No, not two discs. Two VHS tapes. Two VHS tapes. Laser discs. Not one. Oh. Two. Such a deal. Actually, that'd probably be like four laser discs. <laughs> <laughs> um. In any case, um. So we're here to talk about some stuff and in particular 
I want to know, James, why why are we doing this? So we all love these types of movies, but there, there there's a purpose to this show. I, I swear, even though we're fucking eight minutes into this and we haven't even started talking about the movie this time, but I feel like it's it's immersive. We want you to know us so you feel like you watched the movie with us. But why are we doing the show? Well, what we're doing is taking a look at the uh, stereotype that horror movies are actually just you know, part of the part of the teen film genre between like mall films like Breakfast Club and horror movies are made primarily for teens to make a quick buck and yeah. uh, uh, cheaply made, turn a quick buck, get a few kids to uh, experience some thrills. We're trying Screen to argue against that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, like, I think part of that is just because we found that there's a lot of movies that are underrated simply because of the genre that they're put in. Um, of horror and you know there's like oh it's a horror movie so it belongs with this and that and you know like throat cutter part seven right you know revenge of son of throat cutter and is it fair to pigeonhole these films into a genre right yeah exactly so i think we're just trying to explore that and say you know what let's see sometimes i mean people might be right it it could be a shitty horror movie you know just kind of like let's make a quick buck and sometimes i think uh people will be pleasantly surprised right so Evan, before we get on the, oh, yeah. the last movie, I have some corrections of of the, the previous oh, podcast. Okay. Cool, by the yeah, way, absolutely, give it. Cabin of Doctor Caligari. Yeah. I, I listened to the episode and I realized that Evan yeah. asked uh, when the first appearance of Frankenstein was in a movie, and yeah. then I told him a movie about Dracula. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You were talking about Nosferatu. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like, like oh, well, what's the Nosferatu? first? I didn't realize you were talking about Frankenstein. <laughs> my bad. I got my movie monsters mixed up. But the first. Yeah. Appearance of Frankenstein is Frankenstein in the 30s. <laughs> Just I to thought, clear that up. Well, I thought you were like talking about something like it was kind of an allusion to the same type of trope or something like that. The uh, same type of like character. They're both just allusions to novels written around the same time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Was so that it for the I corrected that. And then also... More. Uh, oh, man. We fucked up. The Man Who Laughs, I said, is a German or Swedish film. Yeah. It's actually an American film, but really? it's the director is Swedish. Ah. Yeah. So I got that one wrong, too. Well, I mean, like, I feel like that's probably how they came up with French toast. Like, toast is pretty fucking American. Some French guy's like, I'm going to make the toast. Let's put an egg on it. This is my style. And it was probably it the other French way around, toast. right? Yeah. America right. was like, oh, just take yeah. the egg off. It takes <laughs> too long. Just fuck that. Just yeah. bread. <laughs> just dry, yeah. plain. No, yeah. I'll be satisfied with this. French, French toast is totally an American creation. It's just smothered in batter and then fried. Mm. That's true. Nobody yeah. in France to develop that. Come on, that's true. They're too busy. I don't. Smoking. I don't know. Do you know what duck confit is? Yeah, fried duck. Yeah, yeah. Those fuckers just get out of you know frying foods by actually yeah. just calling it something different. Yeah, they just say like, oh no, they eat fried food. We know fried the food. What's the um? No, they they have it. They have steak frites. Yeah, steak frites. Steak and fries. Duck confit. Duck confit. Bastards are frying over there. What's that duck clever? <laughs> the duck thing where like. It's the the foie gras. Yeah, foie exploded gras. duck liver. Is that French? Originally? I had that. Yeah, it's French. I had that last weekend. Yeah, it's a, it's officially really? legal in, in California or America. Mm. California. I don't know. I had it in Santa Barbara last weekend. I don't think it's illegal. No, it's legal now. It's legal oh, as of like this yeah. year. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I had it. It's great. Yeah. Everyone's like, I, want I, to I did taste feel extremely guilty. Eating yeah, it, but I it, think it's. It I mean, amazing. Not. I wouldn't say that's it's. it's I've never had it. It's, I want to say it, so I can't say it's terrible, but yeah, it tastes very. It does make me feel kind of bad. Like I don't yes know if I, would, I yeah. would get it. It just tastes because of very similar to pork belly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At that point, like 
Never mind. This I like how we got super sad right now. Like, well, like, okay. All right, see the, the vegan straight edge over here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> As he drinks a beer and like eats like a cow head. <laughs> I'm just eating my own arm. Um. So, Evan, you. <laughs> you uh, it's uh, appropriate with this movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Evan, you um, you you suggested this film, and mm-hmm. actually, you know, you brought the first Asian horror film to the to the table, to the room, to the domain of the damned, as it were. Um, even though I liked Asian horror films before that, but you brought it first, so I'm going to let you introduce it, and we're going to chat about it a little bit here. Um, yeah, tell, us, tell us where you found this. By yeah, the way. how I'm did curious. you find it, and like, how did you um, get into it? I, I originally heard about it from a friend, and then... Um, he told me that it was on Netflix, and so I checked it out, and yeah. you know, watched. It was like it came out what 2010, 2011, 11, I think. I think right? Yeah, and um, so I watched it like a year or two ago, and yeah, uh, I didn't really know. I thought it. Would, I, I I honestly thought it was going to be completely different. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, just based off the title, but um, I've never been like a huge. Yeah, because at one point I did think this movie was just taken. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> the about movie that. Taken. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I've never been like a huge fan of like Korean or Asian horror. Uh, you know, like yeah. I mean, I've seen like Ringu and what's the the Grudge one? Uh, yeah, the Grudge. Ringu. Yeah, is it no, that, called no. the Grudge? Oh, well, it's yeah, Juwon. Juwon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like I've I've they're okay. Like I mean, they're good, but I, I would I've never been like overly like stoked on them. You know what I mean? Like. I, maybe it's because I've seen the American versions first and whatever. Yeah. But um, well, the other thing too when, is I feel like with Asian, so we'll we'll, we'll analyze Asian cinema here in a minute. Yeah. But so like on. when I first watched it, I, I was blown away. Like I thought it was way different than I was expecting. And then, um, kind of uh, rewatching it for you know for our, this episode, I I re- I forgot how good it was. Yeah. And I was. Like kind of stoked that we're doing it, kind of thing. Because at yeah, first yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is a cool movie. Like, let's do this." And then, yeah. And then when I was rewatching, I was like, "Dang, this movie is good." Mm-hmm. Like for an Asian movie, I, I feel bad saying Asian because it's a Korean movie, but I don't want to. Like, Korea is part of Asia. You're, I know, yeah, you're but correct. I just don't want to lump it in. You know, whatever. But, well, um, I mean, it's a type of cinema. You know, I mean, like there's, I, 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 I think it's easier to do that because otherwise we can get in with like you know. Getting in with different types of European films and stuff—it's just well. What I would say is, it's a is each country does have you know a a unique history in film. Like there's Chinese cinema and there's Japanese cinema is very different, right? And then you have Hong Kong cinema, which is huge, and uh, and Korean and and whatnot. But technically, Asian cinema can include Bollywood. Yeah, India. um, But really. Now all these like mainstream Asian films kind of band together, to and they make more money that way. So you can easily say Asian cinema because these days like Asian modern cinema, it's coming from all those places and it's really getting produced in yeah. in one. Yeah, and with the international market goal. the way that it is yeah. now too, it's not like before where you have like a lot of in house production. You have a lot of cross pollination, yeah. government production, you know, shit like that. Yeah. So, um, cool. So I mean. First of all, this movie like definitely straddles a line between uh, we would say horror and action. You know, action, suspense, uh, crime, drama. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. It, it's so 
some people already might be like listening to this being like, no, this is not a fucking horror movie. But it's like that's one of the things we're kind of discussing here is, you know, the blurred edges of genre, you know, because can something be truly one genre or, you know, does it have elements of multiple uh, genres, as it were? Or does that, you know, discount it from being classified as one altogether? Absolutely. You know. Um, it sounds like you have something to say about that. I actually <laughs> want to hear Evan's opinion off. because he okay. he often has a very very strong opinion about whether or not something fits into the horror genre. <laughs> so, I mean, do you classify this as a horror? I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I would I would say it was like a horror thriller. Yeah, because yeah. I I feel like it has enough gore in it gore factor and like and kind of just you know i mean like yeah i mean it shows him like hacking bodies up and stuff like that yeah, like yeah. so like i i feel like that in itself would be like a horror type of situation but yeah. i mean the whole rest of the movie is more like an action thriller type of like let, you know let me ask you this do you think the genre might change depending on on what country's viewing it meaning do you think it would be a horror movie here in america because they don't show a lot of chopped up stuff, but maybe in Korea that's a little more normal. I'm not. I'm just guessing. I don't know. I mean, but do you I think then it changes the genre if that's a little more common to see that type of stuff? Maybe it's not as horrific. Maybe, but I mean, I'd, I'd, be, just, I'd be curious, right, to see like poll different audiences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that's pretty crazy. I never really thought about it that way, but you know, you're right because you can have. You have what to is factor in well, cultural differences. Think about right? it like this too. When you think of like comedy, like a British comedy, it's going to be pretty different than an American comedy. Right. And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, it's kind of like, it's kind of serious or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just classify it as dry humor. Because us Americans are slapsticky. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, well, how does that country classify? Right. Can it be the same know? for horror movies where, you know, something. Like killing, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm re- reaching at straws, but like killing an animal in America, yeah. ooh, crazy! Can't yeah, show that, yeah. right? Oh my god! But no. maybe in another country where you know that happens more often in cinema because yeah. their government or the MPAA, rather not the government, doesn't regulate that as strictly like, as America does. Maybe that's more common. So then it's not as you know scary. It's I want, de- desensitized. I want to retract my comment. I don't okay. think that. I wouldn't say that, but not thinking about it, I don't think I would say that it was a horror movie based on just the gore. Yeah. But I think the the fact that it's, I mean, I was still heavily more so lean on the side that it's like a thriller yeah. action movie. It's seriously but demented. But there's, yeah, there's, there's, um, like just the fact that, you know, some psycho on the side of the road is going to bust into your car and steal you and kill you. Like, like that, it's, that's scary. Yeah. It's he- yeah, it's really heavy themes, like beyond yeah. what they would show, what they get away with in American yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, one of the things that did it in this movie that I, I would classify it as a horror film um, is definitely the the mindset, the theme, and the feel, the tone of the movie. The tone of the movie isn't action and gritty and like stuff like that, and it, it, it's. It's a horror feeling. Yeah. Even though for a lot of it, you know, we see fight scenes, which is pretty cool because in a horror movie, you usually don't see an action fight scene like that. Right. 
you know, and we see some stuff that was choreographed pretty well, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And with the camera work being done in Asian cinema versus Western cinema versus American cinema, you know, where they actually show the hits instead of, you know, a bunch of quick cuts. I mean, this one leaned a little bit more towards the American style cinema where there were some quicker cuts than you usually see. There was some born supremacy in some of the moves that guy pulled off. I'm like, how is he so good at disarming people? There there was was a little bit of like that sort of stuff. But at the same they time, they just quick cut whenever he disarmed someone. I was like, yeah. "How did he get the knife out of his hands?" But because it just well, he like, was like a, cut. but he was like a almost like a um, secret service guy. He yeah, was, yeah, no, yeah. no, so he was trained. To well, do what that. I understand that, but I'm saying you don't see it. Oh, oh, oh. But For, compared same, to the rest of the movie, where you see a lot of yeah. stuff, they yeah. quick cut in some of the disarming sequences. And I was like, "Wait gotcha. a minute, and Jason Bourne." This is kind of where it rides that line, and not only of genre but style. You know, Asian and let's say. American style because again you're not getting the quick cuts away at the point of impact and then seeing them after the point of impact to give you the illusion of impact um, and I'm quoting Tony Zhao right here where he's talking about like the Jackie Chan movies and stuff yeah um, you actually see the hits American Jackie Chan movies yeah American Jackie Chan movies because yeah the previous ones that you've done and, before and right which w- brings up an interesting point that i hadn't really thought of is like how much does the mpaa actually affect our the movies that we get to see right yeah because that's really who's behind the impact i'm sure a lot of filmmakers could I mean, obviously you can pull the special effects off they mm-hmm. did it extremely well in this movie oh yeah absolutely but um let's let's talk a little bit about it. so i mean overall general story you have a, a dude like you're saying you know just kind of comes at you at the side of the road Picks you up, murders the shit out of you. Usually, you know, he's he's getting, you know, chicks. And, you know, most of the time he'll, like, seems like he rapes them or molests them or something, you know, before. Because they're, uh, you know, they're usually, uh, when you see them in a very vulnerable state, that is to say they're naked. Yeah, I was, see, I was confused because at first I was like, oh, he's not really raping them. Yeah. And then he, like, and he gets upset he, and, yeah. like... He starts the underage one. He's like, "Okay, I'll rape this yeah, one." Yeah, I'll like, oh, rape oh, the shit out of her. Like, okay, um, but then, then his uh, the buddy nurse. old pal. No, his his oh yeah, his yeah. fellow murderer, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, uh, is like, the, oh yeah, the, he likes the to guild get his, of murderers. Right, right. In the guild, he meets up at a uh, at a uh, underground at railroad clubhouse. location. <laughs> yeah. Like, like there was a, a lantern out yeah. open, uh, like on in the doors. Yeah, the like place was fucking huge. Underground dude. railroad. Like, how is this dude like hiding out there? It's he a motel. Eats people. It's like a freaking hotel. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But then that guy <laughs> says that he likes pleasure before he kills yeah. people, and I was like, oh, so he does rape them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you don't see it like with the other stuff. You see it with that one chick. But I mean, when you, when he first gets the first girl, I don't you feel know, like he raped her. I mean, we don't know. The illusions, she's already naked. I didn't feel it at all until he got that underage chick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, the, fir- the first chick, I, I feel like he just got and then just killed her. He was very, yeah, her. very systematic. And he was very, like, he looked, like, really, like, upset kind of when he was doing it. And I don't know. And, yeah. And he didn't toy with her. He just killed her pretty yeah. much straight away. So, Smoking a cigarette and drinking coffee the whole I, time. I want to yeah, ask you I about. I saw that coffee mug. I want to ask shit. you about that where he's just kind of like. You know, oh, it's just another day at work thing. That kind of weirded me fucking out, dude. Well, that's where Be- that's that's where it like straddles like like this is kind of like a horror movie where he's just he's a psychopath. Yeah, like because, he's just crazy. But here's the thing too, when we see movies like that, you know, that are made in the States or like American made, um 
By the way, dude, have we even said the name of the movie we're talking about? I saw the devil. I saw the devil. That's the name of the movie we're talking about. <laughs> You'll see about. it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you know it because you clicked on it when yeah. you download the podcast. <laughs> we told you about it last time too. Um, but when we see it here in American cinema, we typically see someone that's kind of like deranged and is sexualizing the kill or is kind of reaching some form of catharsis with the kill and like the moment and just kind of like it's some like relief for them or it's some high emotional point or we see the really cold calculating you know type of killer like let's say a Hannibal Lecter but even then he seems like he's deriving pleasure from it he's calm and he's cool and he's cold and calculating and collected but he's like ah I'm enjoying this this is a fine wine you know it's like it's like an art but this dude was kind of doing it like okay gotta wash this dish Business as usual. You know, business as usual. Like it wasn't even well, enjoyable the, to them. This is what kind of perturbed me in the first thirty minutes of the movie is that that opening scene is like straight yeah. out of I know what you did last summer. I yeah. thought it was good. Um, I really like the snowy uh, uh, POV. I was gonna say but, I, I, which I, we thought we were in her POV, but when you go back and look, at, we were actually in the yeah. killer's POV. Yeah. Right. The, um, that whole opening scene is probably my one of my yeah. favorite parts of the movie. Even yeah. even up to all, I would say all the way up until the point where. Um, after he kills her and was like cleaning up. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that whole part yeah. is my I'd favorite say part of the even movie. Yeah. even to the point of the discovery of the, of the body. Yeah. And that yeah. first fifteen minutes, I was like, "This is yeah. good." Like the whole yeah. point. Like, and like, then the next half hour is taken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true, dude. I want to see this fool like throw down with Liam Neeson, dude. Oh, Liam Neeson's? Uh, yeah, Liam Neeson's. Yep. I feel like that'd be a good fight to my, see. One of my favorite parts of the opening scene is... Um, the dragon and the snow. No, not even blood. that. Oh, I love after that. He, it was after he kills or you know, beats her with a hammer, and yeah. it shows blood spray on his face. Oh, it's yeah. a pipe. And then it... Yeah. No. If we're playing Clue. No, no, no. The He's first using one, a hammer. The first one? No, was He's it using a hammer. A hammer. It's one? a hammer for sure. Okay. I, see, I thought it was a hammer, but then he kept pulling out the pipe over and over again. So I well, figured the it was pipe that. was later on. Yeah. It's it's a, so he hammer. switched from a hammer to a pipe. I think so. Oh, this guy's got an entire clue board game in his yeah. in his van. Yeah. But what were you saying, Evan? Um, and then it, it goes from that, like the the blood splatter on his face, and like that chaotic, like you know him attacking her, and then it just cuts to like the roof of the car, and it's just covered in snow, and it's completely white. Yep. So it's like. Like evil blood, blah, blah blah, and then just like purity, yeah. And then it pans away, and then it shows him dragging her from the car. And I guess yeah. I don't know. Just the imagery is really cool. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked it. I, I felt that that kind of faded in and out through the movie, though. It wasn't very consistent. Like yeah. this strong yeah. imagery and whatnot, because then it got really involved in a lot of action and, and yeah. Also, there was a lot to do with like the the family of the deceased fiance mm-hmm. and the guy the chief which was so. good but it was like uh, struggling to keep me fit into the story you know yeah they they don't really give you many people to connect with the the one thing that i feel like was kind of a bummer in this movie was you know you, you have quote unquote a good guy you know he's uh the the husband or or fiance was he husband or fiance? I think it was husband. I thought they were, thought they were married. Yeah, 
But he was the no. They were fiance. Oh no, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. fiance. Because they were about to get married and have a kid. Oh but yeah, I don't think that they they got engaged. He got engaged like two weeks earlier. Did they, they, were did they not about. know? Did the like besides? I mean, obviously he knew, but did they? Yeah. Did the other people not know that she was pregnant? I don't think so. No one else ever mentioned it. The yeah. only person that ever mentioned it was the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's this? Can we call him Chul? Is that Chul? his last name? Chul? Yeah. There, there was a lot of names that I couldn't pronounce. So Chul. Yeah. Okay. We'll it's, have Liam Neeson. He's he's the, the right. secret agent guy. Oh, you mean kind of you mean Byung Hyun Lee? Byung Hyun Lee. All right. Cool. Um. So Chul. Oh, Kim. Kim. His name's Kim. Oh, his name's Kim. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot easier. Um. Well, his family's name is Kim. just. We'll call him Kim. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, I don't want to get into how they do names in Asia. Yeah, it, it's a little confusing. He also plays. He also plays Storm Shadow in GI Joe. No big oh, deal. Does he? Thank you. Yes, I looked that up. There I was you like, go. Hmm, I wonder if this guy's done anything. He's a pretty good actor. Um, so you you have him that you have Kim that you're kind of like, okay, well, he's the good guy. He's like, you know, whatever. Um, but you don't spend a whole lot of time with him. You don't. And you don't know you, him at all. And when you do, yeah, you, you just don't know him. He's just like one track mind, like you know, single path. I thought the I, the, I, the dad, you know, his only thing that the police chief is, he's just telling him like, you know, you got to find this guy, and then later he's like, you got to stop. You know, you've gone too far. Uh, the sister, she just kind of comes in to be like, hey, I'm here. You she know. was. She was. I swear, only in there to die in the end. Exactly. But they really didn't need her. The you dad was the police chief was good enough. So much time with Chill. Yeah. You know, and that that's what was ridiculous that you. And and Chill is so there's nothing redeeming about him. There's no like at least for me there was no, you know there's no like oh well you know as a child he was abused yeah. and then I, this and that and he got turned into the monster that society made him. No, thank you. This. Just, this is my main problem with this movie. Yeah, he just was. Why did Joel kill? Because I mean, I'm confused because even his buddy that he meets up with, that's in the Underground Railroad. Can we um, call him Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, like Lee Dash. Okay. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter. There you go. Hannibal <laughs> says that he. Well, I mean, he's or got Chan-able. a clear purpose. Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal right? Lecter. With it. There you go. Okay, Chan. Double. <laughs> he. Uh, He's got a clear reason to kill because he's obsessed with being a cannibal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we never really find out what drives uh, Chul to leave his son and his parents, become a school bus driver, and murder people consistently and chop them up. Yeah. Because he doesn't eat the meat. No, he doesn't. Right? So, he- is he? And then I thought maybe he's selling it to the to his buddy there. Like, hey, I'll sell you the body parts. But that guy does his own murdering, so I'm confused on why Chol does what he does. The only thing I could think of is like the rape. But they didn't even make it. See, this they is again another. Clear. They don't even make it clear that he rapes them. Exactly. It I seems like he goes to rape the one girl only because the cops are on his tail. He's like, ah, dang it. He's well, like, I better. Fuck it. I might in, as well. I had a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm confused no, he, as to his entire. I think he literally entire... says that, doesn't he? He's like, yeah. I had a bad day. Yeah. 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 So I'm confused to his entire motivation. Yeah. Which sucks because the actor does an amazing job. Like the performance is so, great. Yeah. But I don't understand I don't, where I, he was But I think that makes it coming from. even more creepier is that he. Yeah doesn't have a reason why he's kidnapping these girls and killing them. Like just the fact that he's just like the first, the first one is so like he kidnaps her or well, he beats her 
then he kidnaps her and then he you know strips her puts her in a bag and then chains her up and then he's just talking to her and she's like please don't kill me i'm pregnant and he's like well and then he just stabs yeah, her. You're dead. Yeah. And it's just like, like that, that is like, I, like I, he, I don't think he does. He just, I think it's, it's almost like a job to him. I, I agree. Yeah. But the problem is that they took the time to bring his entire family into it and tell you about his day job and his kid and his parents and that he left them. And I was like, so I was like, oh, geez, this guy obviously had a life. Why did he just abandon them? I mean, I thought that was yeah. just natural to me. The entire movie, I was just waiting for it. I was like, Come on, you're gonna explain that, right? That yeah. Just like I, I need to know. I need to know, and then it doesn't tell you, and you're like, Neh. see, the I, I side a little bit more with Evan on this that it doesn't bother me that we don't find out why or what turned him into this because I like the fact that that is you know what you don't see is sometimes scarier than what you do see. What you don't know is scarier, and the fact that there's someone doing it just because it's like in uh, what was it the the strangers. Right, you remember that scene where, like, at the end, they're like, "Why, why us? Why me?" Is because you were home, right? Like, ju- like but we, just didn't, be- we didn't meet the strangers' families and it, go through their back history. Exactly. Now, and- I I also see your side of it like that, and I think that that's the extra, you know, twenty to thirty minutes that if we lose that stuff, you know, the movie gets trimmed down a bit. It's still tight and solid. I feel all of that was introduced for that last scene. Right. It so, was It was just there so that... I feel like someone had the idea, wouldn't it be fucked up if when he dies, he gets beheaded in front of his family and like, you know, like well, shit like that? It's the only way said, to okay. get his revenge, right? It, exactly. So they're like, okay, well, fine. That's going to be how it ends. Okay, so that means we're going to have to introduce who they are at some point. And they were kind of like an afterthought in terms of the introduction to right. that. Right, so... You never get to lear- learn this character, and it just really feels sh- like shoddy screenwriting to me. Like the like when they were writing it, they focused more on the action scenes and um, uh, Kim's character, and then the the villain. They're like, oh, we'll just he's gonna be a monster. He's gonna yeah. be very villainous. We want this theme of monstrosity. I feel like they they got and him. We're not gonna bother to get inside his head. Yeah, which is 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 confusing to me because if you were writing a script, the most interesting person to get inside the head of would be the killer, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I just I, it bothered me because I wanted more character development there. Well, it's like in Batman Returns, you know, with uh, Danny DeVito, you know, as the Penguin. You spend a lot of time, and you know, the criticism in that movie is, you know, it's called Batman Returns, and you barely spend any time with Batman yeah, or Bruce Wayne. It's about the Penguin. But you get a lot of Penguin backstory. Some of the choices and why, you know, they kind of do what they do, that, that's different. But you are you connect with him, you spend so much time with him, and you connect with him because of the backstory, because they've developed out, you know, yeah. that area of his life. I mean, they, you can say that if we're on the Batman thing. Like, even Batman Forever, like, you have a pretty clear reason why Edward E. Nigma becomes the Riddler. <laughs> and they don't. And they don't is Nigma. <laughs> right. But they don't, they don't spend all the time that they do with, like, Penguin and Batman Returns. And this, I just wanted a little more, you know, why, why do we care about this? Or how did this killer come to be? Like, why, why is he such a psycho? And, um, by the way, the scene in the beginning where uh, Kim was like singing to his fiance, yeah, uh, I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh, yeah. dang, oh, this is this is cute. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and then like the, the and guy then you walks never in, see any and more then he's just him. like, 
He's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. busy day there. I was just like, See, oh. so clearly the, sc- shit. the clearly the screenwriter has some talent in developing scenes where you learn something yeah. about the character. Um, but I it's lost just, it with the killer, and so my mind, you know how I filled the gap, like why this killer is, yeah, <laughs> because, and I have a whole theory written down about this because that's just what some people do in Korea. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, explain you... explain this theory now. You got the <laughs> you got you got to delve into this now. Okay. Shit, he's looking at something. He's got something typed up. So re- the first clue I do. Yeah. The first clue when uh, Kim gets the files from the retired police yeah. chief about these are four guys that that they say Had do these kind of things. Mo or something like that. And he goes and he like tries to systematically take them out and eliminate them. Depend and see who who's yeah. responsible. So there's four people who brutally chop up, are known to brutally chop up people and leave well, disemboweled. They people said around? they are suspected of such things or have been accused of such things. That's a pretty heavy accusation. It is four it is. people. Yeah, <laughs> are you like kidding the me? Same, like, In region? one city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then it gets worse. There's, there's three of us in this room. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, this is, this is good. <laughs> he looks pleased. Okay, the, let's talk about this whole scene, because this, this was like, like, Keystone Cops scene in Last yeah. House on the Left. Yeah, yeah. To me. <laughs> How about where he hops in the cab? Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about that scene? Yeah. And he gets in the cab with that, like, annoying cab driver, and you're like, and yeah, I believe it. And he's sharing a cab with yeah. a guy in the back, which is weird. But then the guy in the back has a knife. And then the whole sweet fight scene goes down where there's just a stabathon, which yeah. was pretty cool. I thought that was so, a pretty cool scene. Like, you remember in Breaking Bad? Like it was that, but in a fucking car. I only watched three episodes. Sorry. Are you serious? You're yeah. a, uh. That show just <laughs> depressed me. I couldn't continue. Yeah, there's a lot of stabbing. You have to be in a good mental state to watch that show yeah <laughs> you um, got you gotta have an excess you, you gotta have like a surplus of feel good enzymes yeah, in you yeah you gotta be able to lose some of that so so here's the key part about that cab scene though after it's all said and done chol goes to the trunk and there's a dead body in the trunk yeah so are we to believe <laughs> my, i love the saying are we yeah, to believe yeah. that the cab driver yeah and the passenger yeah we're in cahoots murdering people. Probably. So not only are there three other dudes around the city that yeah. happen to be accused of murdering people and cutting their heads off, but there's yeah. fucking cab drivers in cahoots with random dudes doing it. Uh. Is everyone a murderer <laughs> in Korea? So then my where I just filled the gap of why does Chol do what he does? I'm like, oh, yeah. everybody does. So I mean, that's yeah, just a city. That, that's Korea that's sucks. true. That's that's a theory that you could go by. I I think if we're gonna put with what's presented to us in his story, um, the closest thing we can go with is like rape. But even then, like you said, he kind of only does it because he's like I'm fucked anyways. Um, but other than that, that's the fucked up part, and that <laughs> that's. Just- that's what really fucks with me is the fact that there's no clear reason why. Um, I just feel like they could have probably then left his family out of it. Yeah. You know, if they were going to leave it 
like totally ambiguous like that. I was just kind of amused at that. I was like, I never want to go to South Korea after this. I know like so, a lot of third world countries, you know, there's a lot of kidnapping and held ransom for you yeah. know, political people's daughters. But and South stuff, Korea but... ain't a third world country. No. Here's and, so, and murder is different than kidnapping. So you, you want to know what's interesting is after that first scene where they're looking for the body, you know, and they had a fucking fleet of people just combing that. <laughs> yes, it was did, like yeah. a ridiculous amount for a my, small area. My favorite part of that scene is when they find her head. Yeah. And then they're running away with it in a box and then it <laughs> falls out of the box in front of everybody. Well, I'm just like, I was sitting there going, oh no, because think about it. You're her fucking dad. And or her and, fiance. Well, I mean, her dad's so right there. Her dad's Did right you there. laugh? Well, yeah, I did person, laugh. Yeah. I thought it was, it was kind of funny. Yeah. It was kind of like it was almost like that guy's fired. <laughs> like like oh, slapstick funny. Well, like, yeah, but but also think about it like this: you're fucking there. You're you're like my daughter's here somewhere. You're already worried that your daughter's dead. Then they're like, we found something. They're like, yeah, well, let me see her. And they're like, no, you can't look. You can't look. And they put something in a box. And they're like walking away. And you you know what's in the box? That, yeah, you know <laughs> you know what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> it's my head in a box. Um, so you know that it's it has to do with like your daughter. Some evidence or some sort. Maybe you're like, oh shit, maybe it's like her her shirt or her jacket or something. But like you're you know, there's that pit inside of you that's like fuck, that's like a part of her body. That's like you're thinking maybe it's her hand, maybe it's her foot. No, someone drops it. And your daughter's head rolls out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine seeing that. Like, how like devastated you would be. Yeah, but the way the way they pulled it off. No, no the way I almost wanted off, to hit bowling pins. <laughs> the way they pulled it off was was funny, but that could also just be like, <laughs> like when it fell out, it went whip. Like someone slips on a banana whistle. peel. <laughs> yeah. But like that would fucking suck, and I think you know that's just the because it, during this whole time, the cops in this movie don't do shit. Yeah, that's and, another thing. How have they not caught Joel? He's not exactly very no. secretive. No, he, he they haven't done. He anything. drags the body through the snow. So, so this is to me. It, there was a lot of similarities um, with Last House on the Left, where it's like, well, taking it, taking matters into your own hands, you know, versus like, you know, the police and, you know, yep. who can be trusted and stuff because they're just not doing their and, job. And on top of that, when they do their job, they're kind of doing it shittily. Well, this, and, is, this is completely, yeah, it's a completely like a, it's a revenge movie. Yeah. A hundred percent. Exactly. It's no one's going to get it done but myself. Yeah. And the the guy like that was leading up the investigation, why did he have a posse with him at all times? Yeah. He had his posse. I felt like it was like the Channel 5 news team every time they showed him. I was kind of confused because when he first goes to the hospital to visit the dude that had his like nuts hammered in with a fucking monkey wrench. Oh, and they showed that. It was weird. Yeah. I got blue balls from watching that. They showed this stuff (laughs) shifting around in there. Yep. But when, when I, he, I wish American cinema had that. I was like, oh, when he goes to visit him and like find out like who did that to him, the way that he's dressed and the fact that he has a posse and the way he was like, who did this to you or whatever made it seem like that was one of his thugs. And he's like, we'll get we'll get revenge on him. I was confused. I didn't know he was like a police dude at first. Oh, yeah. They, they are dressed very suave. Yeah. They all yeah. dress and kind of seedy, a little seedy, dude. Yep. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, but 
getting back to the police work in the beginning, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, no wonder they found the body. They had a complete fleet. And that got me thinking. I'm like, I wonder how many, like, unsolved murders they have in, like, Korea and stuff like that. So oh, it looked, must be a million because everybody's a murderer. So I looked up a list. Your local cab driver. <laughs> I looked up a list of ratings of, um, like, countries by, like, murders per 100,000 people oh, in good. it. And uh, U.S., Let's see. The U.S. was on this list here. I have it. I'm looking for it, and I'm not finding it at the moment. Can we do it? Here we go. The U.S. MPM, murders per million. (laughs) The U.S. had a rating of 4.7. So that'd be 4.7 murders for every 100,000 people. So five five out of every 100,000 people are murdered. Yeah, that's what they're saying, you know, like recently, stuff like that. South Korea was uh ranked in at I think it was a point nine. What? Point nine per hundred thousand. Oh well they don't have Detroit. Take Detroit out. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have Detroit. They don't have DC. So we could take those out of them. But um South Korea, yeah, they ha- they have um point nine. And they're supposed to have really good colleges too. There's a little link that says see notes below. So I saw the notes below and it said South Korea. Statistics include attempted murder, aiding and abating murder, murder conspiracy, and others. The number of actual deaths by those uh, by those crimes is only 184. That is equivalent to 0.38 deaths per 100,000 inhabitants. What so is going on? Like 0.4 less than less than half of one. So half a person is murdered. <laughs> Per hundred thousand. Per hundred thousand. So for every two hundred thousand people that live there, one person is murdered. You know what's shocking? We're here. It's what, five per year. I, I think year? that was in, per hundred thousand. I think that population. was last year. I think I that was last is that, year. Is that is that for the whole year or is that like? Yeah, and that's last year. Okay. Yeah. So that I'm like, I, w- I wonder why they do that. So bear with me here. What we see. And what this movie kind of illustrates and shit like that. And like, why do we see so much of it? You know, maybe it's because it's not quite as common. It's not in the news all the time like it might be here. Right. So it's kind of mystified and kind of like what would drive someone to do that. And the question is, like, no one knows because they don't have enough people that like actually do that. So that could be maybe like... So their answer is murderers are driving around all, all the time murdering people and well, nobody it's knows fa- why. It's fascinating. I mean, it, like, the shit that we don't know tends to fascinate us, and you just kind of, like, focus on it, like, oh, isn't that fucking weird and exotic? I'm just saying. I don't know. I guess they have a murder club about it. They could. Mur- the, murder club. The underground murder railroad. <laughs> the murder railroad. Um, dude, but yes, you're right. What we see, like, the beatings in it, holy shit. Yeah, some of the, um, some of the scenes are just pretty awesome. As far as action goes. And let's talk about the plan of revenge. From Yes. <laughs> like, how fucked up was that? Yeah, honestly, like, okay, it's one thing. When you find someone stranded on the side of the road, yeah, beat them with a hammer, then cut them up. I mean, sh- shit, right? But then, yeah, I'm going to uh, plant a bug in a man and follow him for the rest of his life and slowly take and off parts of him at a time. And bring him near death and then drop was, him off somewhere else it was with almost, money. Yeah, they they give him money, and then it's like Clockwork Orange because they 
force him to be he's like trying to force him to become good i feel like yeah like okay i'm not gonna f with you if you you know don't try to f with anybody else because apparently a bug that you swallow you can hear everyone speaking instead of actually just the insides of his stomach i was confused about that well i thought i I feel like that he would give him money and all that stuff just to keep him alive and like yeah Keep him like living, and then because so he was just fine, keep fuck him. Yeah. messing with him and like trying to kill him slowly. I don't so, think he was like, Hey, now you can live. And, oh, so he was actually almost fueling the fire. Yeah, like I think he was like, I think he was doing it on purpose in, I, I in order to to just hurt him or kill him yeah. even slowly. Or oh, yeah, so yeah. Kim's a monster right off I, the bat, exactly. Right? <laughs> I don't, I don't think that his intention was, Well, I'm gonna hope that Chill kills more people. I think what he was is just like. Stay alive so that I could fuck with you the rest of your life. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. But that um, whole like that that like doctor scene or like, in the it wasn't a doctor, but it was like in like the little medical. Uh, was the <laughs> so I'm watching this last night, and then there's this scene where he goes to that first like infirmary place yeah. where he goes to the doctor and he's like, "You call me son? You're like da- talking down to me." Blah blah blah. You know what? Looking at it, that might have been a weak attempt to explain why he does what he does. Like where he goes off on that doctor being like, you're condescending to me, whatever, whatever. You know, when he calls him son or something like that. And remember how his father like was like, oh, he's a good for nothing, like whatever, whatever. And like my guess is his dad was shitty to him. And for whatever reason, his response to that was, oh, I have no power. I know where I have all the power. Killing people, whatever. I'm not saying it was the clearest explanation. It took you kind of bringing it up for me to think about it, but I guess that does fall in line with with Hannibal Lecter's comments, where he's like, "Remember when we were young and we tried to start a militant group to just fuck over the politics of the world?" Yeah. It's like what? Yeah, yeah. It was like a just weird throwaway comment. But that's still a pretty far leap from you know you you a militant group to try to enforce change, and then ah, I'm just gonna yeah. murder murder people because he goes from like an opportunistic murderer. Where oh people are alone, people are stranded. To like, yeah, I'm gonna murder this like uh, pharmacist in the middle of his pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, fine. Well, I mean, at that point, he is like, I'm fucked. I have nothing to lose. You know, by yeah. by that point, because he had Kim had already started his revenge. Yeah, he's and on the run. Because before that, it was kind of like you know he he had but um, even, even Kim's if, wife, and then there was that chick at the bus stop. Even if you go after that, but before he, things go haywire for him. I mean, even kidnapping a girl off the bus is pretty suspect compared to the other opportunities he's taken, where she falls asleep yeah. on a, on the bus. And, and I mean, he's the bus driver. He would be the last person to see her. Well, what it was was where he got that call from the school, and he was just like, oh, shit. He didn't... Like, here's the thing. We're, we're to be like, well, how does he fucking know what it is? You know, it, it's just... Who knows? You know, they don't explain that. It could be that they never call him. It could be what the fuck ever you know it it could be but he knows when he gets that phone call from the school the jigs up you know so he just kills people willy-nilly after that but then but then that's like fuck it that takes away from your theory that you know he feels very disregarded by uh, you know society and and disrespected yeah so he takes things into his own hands but then that would mean that he only does that because he's compromised. Yeah. So it doesn't explain why he would kill before. 
again, this is a theory I came up with like in the last two minutes. No, I know. I'm just I'm just saying I think this is the hole in the yeah. screenplay, right? Oh yeah. Is that we're thinking about this more than the writer probably did. Probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um yeah, that scene where where he's trying to get the like pharmacy lady to like blow him or whatever, and then like Kim just comes in through the back. So Chul is there, like, you know, rapably getting a blowjob. And then, like, Kim walks in with a fucking fire extinguisher and just fire extinguishers him in the face. Yep. Like, three times. And then the fucking head. And then that fight happens there, you know, and, like, he has him wrapped up and then he, like, cuts his way out. And that's kind of cool. But then, fucking, like, there's that moment, the fucking turning point where like he's he's slashing at Kim and you're like, holy shit, like Kim's going to fucking get it. And then he grabs the thing and he does that fucking badass move where he grabs the blade and Kim kind of or Chill kind of looks at him like, is he fucking grabbing the blade? And then Kim just squeezes more on it. And you just see the blood come out of his hand. Yeah. And you're like, fuck. Yeah, that was rad. And then he takes the scalpel. Mm. Oh, this is like 2 a.m. And I'm like sitting there in bed. I'm watching it. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> and you know what happens. Stick. Ah, oh, he stabs through his Achilles. Mm. Chewy, Chewy has a uh, has a a problem with with that area of the body. Uh, oh no, it's so bad. <laughs> Let's just say that hostile is not his favorite. Movie. Oh no. So so watching a quarter sized chunk of uh, his Achilles uh, fly out. No, that. Yeah. I was waiting for his buddy to come along and eat it. I, uh, <laughs> we didn't even meet his buddy at that point, though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Retroactively. So you're not yeah. a fan of Pet Cemetery. Oh. <laughs> no. Puppet Shut Masters? <laughs> God. Little kid. Damn it. Oh, fucking. I, I was watching it, and like, again, it's like two in the morning, and I just go, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> just like that. So, like, I don't know if, like, Fucking like Matt or Ian probably heard me. He's like, "What happened? Is that's some weird porn he's looking at? <laughs> Is he watching two girls, one cup?" <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, um, it was bad. I felt sick and I felt really sleepy afterwards. It could have been because it was late. It could have been because of that. And I just, yeah, I had to like stop watching for a little while. But um, yeah, more- Kim's scenes just got more and more shocking. Like yeah. that first scene in the greenhouse for some reason, yeah. where he he. Breaks his hand and then walks away. I was like, "What is he doing?" Yeah, at first I was like, "Why is he leaving him there?" And I was like, "Maybe he's gonna call the cops." But then I was like, "Okay, we're like fucking forty minutes into this movie. What the fuck is the remainder of the like two hours that we have to watch?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna kill him, and then it'll be a chase about catching Kim, and it'll become an action movie." Yeah, I, I just didn't. And then when he like drops him off with like the money, I was like, "I was like, what the fuck?" And then. You know, when you just see him like looking at it, I was like, oh, fuck, it he's was, hunting him. It was awesome. Like, there, it's fucked up, though, right? Oh, like, how fucked up so is that? It's so fucked, yeah. Um, there, there's a twist that you don't expect. Yeah. <laughs> but, and in the middle of the movie. Yeah, dude. And then um, his his buddy, Channable Lecter, though. <laughs> fucking. That guy creeped me out. That guy really creeped me out. Was he eating that meat raw? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he had a, he had the hunger. He had the hunger for he human did. meat. A raccoon meat? You mean? <laughs> well, no, it was yeah. <laughs> I got I got the hunger. Um but 
fuck, dude. It was just weird too the way like when when he's like, "Oh, you fucking crazy bastard," and then he's like stops and he's like, "What'd you say?" And then he just starts like getting all teary eyed and crying. He's like, "Fuck, I don't know why I get all why I cry <laughs> when I get when I, when that things get tense. tense." Yeah. Anyways, you're a cool guy. <laughs> I need a human meat. Like. It literally, he's got like mad cow disease. Oh, yeah. Mad chow disease. That's what he's got <laughs> <Hey> right there. <laughs> um, Joel, Joel got surprising. Like his character got better and better too because yeah. at first he was kind of like, I, I almost looked at him like the first scene, I was like, geez, this guy is like a cold, methodical businessman killer. And then he gets a little like, I was like, oh, you're just kind of disgusting yeah. and opportunistic. And then I'm like, Oh, and now you're actually like a big time powerful psychopath. Yeah. Like people like, fucking know you. Yeah. I was like, this guy is just changing as the movie changes. Yeah. Which was rad. But They're something about the way they use blunt force, like trauma in this movie. Yep. Like even Kim gets in on that where he gets that pipe and he starts like just wailing on the back of his head and they don't cut away from it and they no. don't change the angle on it. And you just see him hitting him. And hitting them and hitting them and like, fuck, dude. I felt like I was watching someone like actually wail. I, on I, I would have thought that killed him pipe. too. That's what I would have thought too. Yeah. But well, this, yeah, and the same in the beginning. Like I, when a hammer, yeah. yeah, yeah, especially that many times at the freaking dome. Yeah. <laughs> like that chick should have been dead. Yep. Yeah, sure. Especially yeah. enough to like where it splattered blood on his face. Like, yeah, I mean, at the very least, with. With Chill, I feel like, okay, if this is something he's done before, then maybe he's, like, he knows how to, like, fuck her up to knock her out without, like, killing her. Or, to be honest... He's a concussion doctor? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I know the sweet spot <laughs> right here. Um, or, who knows, maybe he was trying to kill her and just didn't happen to do it, and then he's like, oh, shit, she's still alive. Guess I gotta fucking cut her up. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that like when because you could tell like when he attacked her in the beginning in the car, like you can you get the look in his eye like he was yeah. like it's like, you know, when you get like pissed and you like you like hit something or like you punch, you yeah. know, whatever. And like if you're like pissed off, like you're like, you have like a look of determination. Yeah. And, like you're pissed. Yeah. Like, he had that look in his eye like he was just like, I'm going to. Like I I just want to kill you And like Yeah Like he had like that crazy look in his eyes So I feel like he was trying to kill her Yeah I I don't think he was just trying to knock her out Yeah That's what was really crazy about Chill Is they really fucking sold that Like like you said I fucking believed I mean short of the, the, The holes in the story Where you're like Well like why And why introduce his family Like just focusing on him And And kind of what he portrayed Fuck dude that guy like is creepy, and then also again his friend too. Same fucking thing. And and later when he's in the hospital and he's talking to Kim and he's like, oh, you know, like yeah, he totally fucked her before, just so you fucking know. Yeah. And and he's just like no remorse. I mean, he's there, fucked up from what Kim did to him before, where he like broke his wrist, and like. Yep. Put the fucking like knife through uh, his hand when when he tried to take it off. There was that slapstick moment where the handle came off. He's yeah. like, "Oh no, what do I do now?" Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Like he's there and he's still just like, "Yeah, dude." Like we're she she's dead, so fuck you, whatever. Like only a fucking crazy person, dude. Only a fucking crazy person would do that sort of shit. So I think they got like the right dudes in there to really sell you on just kind of the heartlessness of it. 
and just the cold calculating factor of just like pure getting the kill. They really played up that, um, you know, monstrosity uh, theme with Troll being the epitome of a monster and he gets to be like a bigger and a bigger monster as the movie goes on, right? When he seeks his revenge for Kim's revenge. And then Kim battling, you know, whether he's going to step over to his side or not. Because he doesn't actually kill anybody but Chul, right, Kim? Yeah. So he's like... But he brings people pretty fucking close right. to death. So it's like, you know, he, he's not crossing that line. He's not crossing that line. And then the end scene, he goes to, like, Chul's level and yeah, has essentially has his family kill him. Yeah. And then he, the last scene, this made me wonder, like, he's crying when he's walking away. Yeah, the where closing he finally shot. has that moment where he releases before that, where he sees that she's, like, dead. He has, like, that one single tear that, like, rolls down. And it's one single fucking tear. But, dude, it's fucking, like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of powerful, to that, be honest. He, he cries on command well. Because then there's that, like, during the, uh, another scene, he's crying in front of Chol. It's really yeah. good. It, but um, I wondered too because he starts crying and I was like, is he crying for he finally lets go and he's like getting remorse for his fiance or was he crying because he had become the monster? Yeah, you know, I was like, ooh, that's one of the things I kind of fucking wrote down. You know, the title of the movie. You know, I saw the devil. You know, what does that mean? Like, is that is that from her point of view, from the victim's point of view, that they saw the devil in Chul? You know, did Kim see the devil by seeing what Chol was? Did Chol see the devil by seeing what Kim is in the end? Or did Kim see the devil by realizing that, you know... By becoming. By, by becoming him and just yeah. seeing himself, well, you, you look, know, in that. If you look at the... Even, like, the um, the artwork for the, yeah. the movie, it's Kim's face. Yeah. With, like, that knife cut like cut out of his face but then yeah. and, and that knife is Chol's face. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're kind of equally evil, you know? And exactly and that that's kind of the the weird part of it. You spend all that time with Chol, the killer. But the good guy, you know, you're still kind of rooting for the good guy. You're like, "Oh, get this fucking sick guy." And then he ends up like being just as fucked up in the end. So yeah. there's that whole like playing with morality, like what is a good guy? I mean, you know that Chill's not a good guy. Well, you know, he becomes an anti-hero, right? Yeah. It it, it kind of like it it brings up that point of you know, in the point of like if you're if you're seeking revenge in the the name of, you know, goodness, is it okay to be that evil? Like it blurs yeah. the line of, of mm-hmm. good and evil. Like like you can you can be well, like they portray it, you know, in movies like Taken and stuff like that. Like you can be as hurtful and evil as you need to be to revenge something that you know. What I mean, to as yeah, uh, is you know is is revenge justified? Right, right. And which, to what extent? Too? Wh- yeah, which is, is uh, something you know, where that does is, it go from being justice to to revenge? It's yeah, it's a hot topic, right? Because even today, with like death penalties, right, same thing. We, you know, when do we? When can we actually take justice in our own hands and it's okay? And when is you know revenge actually not justified? Exactly. Yeah. So th- th- this is an excellent, excellent exploration of that. Yeah, it's it really you know gets you kind of talking about that topic. So that I think in that it kind of 
you know, reaches its aim, if that's kind of the purpose of it. Um, you also have something else that maybe didn't quite reach the aim or it did messily. We haven't talked about it. Chill gets that GPS transmitter out of himself at some point. Ooh. Which, how, I mean, <laughs> yeah. for being such a top secret special agent, how did Kim not think that was going to happen at some point? I don't know, dude. <laughs> I was like, I don't fucking well, know. Well, eventually he's going to well, crap that thing out, right? <laughs> well, because, yeah, but I think what he thought was, I'll get to him before he does it naturally ish. At some point, because remember the guy's like, only you know, if he has uh, diarrhea. Uh, only if he has diarrhea. But like, I feel like he's planning. I'm gonna get to him again and then slip him another like transmitter or or some shit like that, some other way to find him. Yeah, he didn't gauge his time. He's like, oh yeah, I guess I do only have four days or something. Yeah, but then you know he was kind of not really fully knocked out, and he kind of heard him say that, and he's like, oh laxatives, that's the answer. Yep, man. laxatives and slitting a pharmacist's throat. Which that that entire thing was, that entire sequence was pretty cool. I thought because Joel like becomes such a clever villain at that point. Yeah, and he slashes the pharmacist's throat, and we think it's just because he's giving him lip. But really, what he does is buy time to yeah. go poop out the the transmitter. Yeah, while uh, Kim has to save the pharmacist, and I was like, oh dang. Yeah. That's brilliant attempted murder. Yeah, he's like you can let him die on the on you know on your hands. That blood will be on your hands. Oh. You know. Um so normally you speaking of cutting, you know, you normally do like a killer what do we call it? A killer dissection is that yeah. what we call it? Of like a scene or or a term or a technique or something like that. What do you got for us this time? Uh, it's actually something simple, and it's it's uh, something I want to raise you guys. Yeah. And w- that is, if you take a look at the story, who would you consider the main character is? So, based on that, I'm going to go with Chill. I mean, we spend, like, all our time with him, pretty much. I That's what I would say. You going to weigh in, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I would, I would say that he's the like the main character. Oh, sure. this is good. I'm glad I asked because I would. My instinct would actually say Kim, because we're seeing him evolve, right? Um, going from like you know, straight straight secret agent to you know a monster essentially. But what clues us in is the use of point of view. I think. Yeah. Because the movie opens and we're see- treated to this like um, long take of a uh, road, right? Driving down a road, yeah. beautiful snow. And it's this point of view that we think ends up being the girl, but we find out it's actually Chol. Yeah. Right? And then there's another scene. Um, I think it's uh, with the uh, girl in the van that he ends up kidnapping where he's... Uh, we're seeing from his point of view again, and it's this POV shot where we're yeah. we're in the killer killer's head, right? And what this brilliantly does, which appear, appears to work, is that it positions us with the killer, right? Puts us in the mind of the killer, and it's a very effective. Just I think there was only two times that I noticed it, maybe three times, of a point of view shot, but we only ever get the point of view of the killer, yeah, which really firmly supplants us in 
his ideal of the main character, right? Yeah. And we follow him rather than Kim following around, right? So uh, just really effective use of point of point of view um, and cinematography versus something where uh, like Maniac that we've done, where it was all shot in point of view, where I think that just kind of waters down the effectiveness of it. Whereas this movie uses it extremely effectively and, and subconsciously almost puts you, makes you identify with the killer, with the yeah. monster. Yeah. Um, so you can see Kim become the monster. Whereas something like Maniac, I thought was just like really heavy handed. And I was like, oh, geez, just stop already. Yeah. So I think it's just a really cool stop uh, and focus on that first scene. Another, it's, There's another scene with Chol um, driving. And then a scene where he's like dragging a body that we get point of view. And it really makes you identify with him and takes you away from wanting to side, not side with Kim. You're, I mean, you're obviously rooting for him, but from feeling like you're, you are identifying as him. You're yeah. instead identifying as the killer. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, dude. And it worked. You guys felt that way. Yeah. I mean, it's some pretty good insight because I wouldn't have put that together. You know, for me, it was simply based on how much time we're spending with him. I mean, I know... We're supposed to, again, align with Kim because he's the, quote, good guy. But, you know, it, it, you spend so little time with him. How do you connect with him? Like you said, we know so little about him. You know, we don't really know much about him until in the very beginning when he's talking with his fiance on the phone or his wife on the phone. And then later, like, you know, the, we, we learn about him every time he interacts with Chol and fights him. Or form where a police chief. Him, yeah, yeah it, where we see him evolve a little bit, you know, and then at the very end, you know, when he finally releases and, like, comes to catharsis and cries, you know, we learn a lot about him in that last little scene where he's just walking away. Yeah. You know, um, but just with that last scene, too, where they're having that last exchange before he kind of walks away and leaves him with the death machine, you know, the guillotine thing, which is kind of fucked up the way he did that too. But Chill says something to him that I'm just like, could you imagine like going through all that? And then like the dude unfeeling just says this to you where he just says, you know, you already lost. You got it. Like you understand you, you lost. Like he's there. You've got him tied up. He's about to die. And he's like, well, you lost. Sorry, buddy. Like, I don't give a shit. You lost. Like, that must be just fucking, like, devastating. I would say, like, that just takes all the wind out of your sails. But did he lose? I don't know, dude. Do did you think, he? do you think Chol, yeah. yeah, do you think Chol was actually affected by his family cutting his own head off? Um, or was it that he just didn't want to die? I think that Chol, at the very, very end before it happened, when he started losing his grip on on the fucking like thing, I think that's when he after Kim had already left, that's when he was affecting. He's like, oh shit, oh fuck, no, I'm fucked. Because I think in his head he had some way of I'll find a way out of this, you know. Where before he was like, I'm not afraid of death and like I don't feel anything, I don't feel fear. Yeah, you know, but he probably didn't because he never really had that moment but you, you know you kind of see him every time he's fighting with kim there's that moment of like oh shit this is it and then he gets left alive and i think that kind of plays into his 
perception of himself that I can't be killed. I can't be stopped because even this, even this guy that wants me dead can't do it, won't do it. And the fact that, you know, he's finally going to like come face to face with death. I think that's when it affects him. The fact that it's his family, maybe he kind of realizes like, oh shit, I killed my family essentially by destroying it in one way, shape or form, leaving a son and being shitty or whatever. And now they're kind of destroying him. You know, so I would say he lost in the end. Chill. Yeah, chill. What about you, Evan? I mean, yeah, I, I would I would agree with, with that. I, like, I mean, he didn't really have anything else left. I think yeah. I think Kim is the loser because he becomes the monster. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't I don't I don't think he I mean, I don't think he became a monster. I think he was just it was a survival thing i mean like like if you're telling me like if your pregnant fiance got murdered that you wouldn't do some of the same things right but what we see in the character evolution of kim is that he won't do those things right because he doesn't kill he's not killing people right right and he he just wants to make the guy miserable and feel pain but his ultimate goal isn't immediately to kill him because he would do that right it's to make him feel pain yeah. So then when he actually finally does kill someone, I think, just my, my opinion, right? We're subjective. That the movie, end of the movie, he's crying because he feels like he's become the monster. Because he's tor- uh, he's tortured a man. Okay. Do you think that's why he's crying? Or do you think he's crying because it's finally ended and he finally he finally got the the revenge, I guess, or whatever of, you know. Closure? Like, yeah, closure, like of... of Killing the person who killed his the love of his life. Yeah, I think that's what's baby. I think that's what's brilliant about that last shot. Like I, so I, I look at right? it more of like a like he's he's happy that it's finally done. Like I finally completed this. He's gone. I'm yeah. I have closure. Yeah, it, you know it's it's subjective. It's how do you want to view it? How do you want to interpret it? And I think that's what like a good movie does. You know, even one that yeah. does have plot holes in it, it can still be a good movie. Because a, a good movie, a good film, like we've talked about, makes you think, makes you talk, and makes you ask questions rather than just say, hey, that, that was a cool part. Or I thought that was a cool scene. I mean, those are valuable things when you're making a film. But asking questions, having people asking questions and discussing it and debating it, I think that's the hallmark of a great film. You know, And I think this, for me, was a pretty rad uh, film in that sense again you know a couple things I would change I agree with James you know with if you're going to do some of those things and introduce some characters you need to develop them and the relationships um, or you kind of leave them out I feel like there was more they wanted to do with this movie and maybe they chopped it out you know for the sake of time or you know they kind of stretched what they could and like you know fit as much as they could into their time limit. Um, I feel like this would work. This would have worked well as like a little mini series, like a little mini series, maybe like a three part mini series or four part mini series, like each episode an hour long. I think that would have worked pretty well because it kind of felt like it had a lot of little chapters to it. And maybe with that, you could explore a little bit more of that relationship with his family. But overall, I dug it. I thought it was pretty rad. You know, I would consider it a horror movie, and I would recommend it to other people. I would for sure, yeah. 
I one of my favorite things about this movie is just the way it was shot. Like I love like all the visual aspects. Like, like the whole like we said like the whole opening scene. Like it's especially for like I mean, and I haven't seen a lot of Asian films or sorry Asian horror movies or whatnot. But from the ones I have seen, this is probably the best shot one that I've ever seen. And you know, what I mean, like yeah, the, the way it was done, both the cinematography and the editing were yeah. amazing. Some of the like special effects they pulled off. And just the the way they had it framed was incredible. To actually watch the entire guillotine scene, even though at some point you can see kind of the, if you look closely, you can see the head kind of switch to a prop because it flips. Yeah. But it's it was so fast. And I was like, oh, I've never seen that. It was, it was amazing work there. Yeah. To Sweet. me, I think this film, anybody watching this film will get sucked into it. It's It's really good. Uh, it's got some crazy cool scenes and some really demented scenes that sh- that I haven't seen before, and that was awesome. But I'm still it just it just irks me that even even like you guys say we identify with the character of Chol, he is the main character, but I feel like they focused so much on the monster and becoming the monster theme and the revenge theme that they just kind of. F- forgot to really develop Chol into the this this full villain with the backstory. And I, I would bet that you'd see this movie nominated for a lot of awards, but it wouldn't win, you know, best direction or best screenplay or whatnot because you're just missing just just, just one shy scene. of a lot of that just stuff. One scene. Yeah. Of of just being a flawless movie. And I think you could easily call it a horror movie or an action movie or a horror action and uh which is a excellent crossover you know get the, um really cool uh, uh effects in there between action and then yeah. horrific parts but i just i just uh, i just needed that that one one scene explaining a little bit more about chol yeah and a little less about how everyone is a killer in korea <laughs> Like I Everyone feel like kills in Korea. I, I feel like that entire cab scene was not necessary. It must yeah. be some sort of like the dark humor or a pop culture reference that we don't get or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, and it could, it could have just been that, like you said, you know, that could have been used. That time could have been used for another scene. Um, I feel like they wanted a really cool stabbing scene, though, and and that's what yeah. they got out of it. Yeah, it. that scene was cool. And um, cut out cut out the posse of that the lead investigator. That yeah, was weird. Just give him like his own thing. Maybe he yeah. like he has One an guy. assistant. Yeah, an assistant dude, you know, who's just lieutenant. Like, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um. So before we go out and before we kind of announce our next movie and all that sort of stuff, I did have a surprise for you guys. We did actually get some email. We did get some fan mail here. Um, from the dark depths of our mailbag here, um, you know, that has spider webs and stuff. Cause no one ever writes this again. We had someone write us before it was a very, very long email. So, you know, maybe I'll pick out parts of it and we'll kind of bring up little highlights of that. But this one was from, uh, Trevor and he actually writes to us, um, in regards to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So I kind of want to just share this with you guys, you know, so it's kind of cool. Um, so he says the unholy Trinity, that's us guys. 
they're using our names or our, our our posse has a name like people like acknowledge it i feel like star lord finally um as a former film student first for a second i thought you said sky lord sky lord <laughs> I was like the guy that does the traffic in the morning <laughs> my name is sky lord the lord of the skies um as a former film student with an unconditional love for film history, I was so excited to hear you guys discuss the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Uh, German expressionism has had such an influence uh, on the horror movie genre, and I'm so glad it uh, got its moment in the spotlight on the podcast. Dr. Jurassic Price dropping that film uh, that film student knowledge was so great. I lost count as to how many times <laughs> Chewie said, "Oh shit, as his mind was being blown by the <laughs> cinematic genius of Dr. Caligari. Um, if you guys ever feel like revisiting the silent movie era, might I recommend, and I'm going to butcher some of these names here, um, Louis Buñuel and Salvador Dali's in, uh, En Chien Andalou. Yep, Ancien Andalou. That's only it's, 19 minutes long. It'd be a short podcast. It's, uh, Is that the one where he like cut, slices a goat's eyeball? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. It's horror slash surrealism that's, quote, eye-splittingly and, yeah. quote, creepy. Wink, wink. Dr. Jurassic Price will get it. Um, keep up the great work, guys. Trevor. So, Trevor, thank you for actually listening nice. and interacting with <laughs> us. <and laughs> thanks. Love you, Trevor. Trevor, yeah, we're. Yeah. De- I think we should definitely get back into that silent film era. Maybe yeah. not Unshin Andalou because it's so short. Yeah. Although there's enough in that movie to talk about for. We could we could do hour. that at some point, and or like find another short film and kind of do it like that. Maybe we have like a short silent film like that, and we could have another short like modern film. Oh, we we could do. I mean, we could do a split Nos- Nosferatu. Yeah. We could also if we're we could do something like Dracula. Yeah, uh, because there's probably 11 lines in there, so it's really like a silent film, pretty much. But yeah, that era. I mean, Universal uh, monster movies, of course. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera. That's a silent movie. It's, good. it's pretty good. We that, got some options. Definitely, it's not a that's, not a musical, obviously. Salvador Dali short film I had to watch in my modern art class. Creep me out, which is weird <laughs> because it's not modern. Well, they were talking about like all different types of art and oh, okay. So yeah. Anyways, so let's Lu- get Lu- uh, Louis Benwell is a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever have you seen Midnight in Paris? No, I have. Yeah, he, he, there's a scene where he runs into Louis Benwell and uh, Salvador Dali, and and Benwell runs off and he talks to Dali, but those guys were just <laughs> tripping on acid before it existed. <laughs> All right, so we need a movie for next time, guys. I was thinking. We did a lot of um, kind of some inner soul searching here to figure out who we really are with this last movie. You know, I mean, who was Kim really? Who was Cho really? And who were we? You know, uh, and another movie that makes us do that quite a bit is this movie from my youth. I remember it from my high school days. And I think Evan Evan remembers it pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's called Identity. 2003's Identity. It's... um. It kind of does straddle some uh, some genres as well. We got some notable names there with the likes of John Cusack, Ray Liotta, and everybody's favorite, Abusey. Not Gary Busey, but we got Jake Busey. Abusey sounds like you said abuse. <laughs> it's kind <laughs> it of has abuse. abuse. Everybody's favorite, abuse. He, everybody's gets, favorite. he gets very abuseed in this movie. 
um, director James Mangold. Um, but yeah, 2003, um, kind of a horror psychological thing. We're yep. kind of straddling that line again, but um, I think I think it'll play well. I think it'll play well. Help us do a little bit more soul searching. Closing fun fact about I Saw the Devil. Yeah. This director also directed uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. Um, oh, I forgot the name of it. The one where the one he just did in 2013. Oh, shit. Um, the he, la- was it The Last Stand? Yes. Yeah. The man who directed I Saw the Devil directed The Last Stand with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I didn't see that movie. Did you see yep. the movie? The one with Johnny Knoxville in it? Yep. Did you, did you watch one. it? No, I didn't no. watch it. I didn't watch it. I kind of wanted to see it. Well, now that I know oh, I it's the Arnold same director. That movie looked terrible. But it's the same director, so maybe... Yeah, the action better be good. The action what was that other movie he was in recently? Sabotage? Was it Sabotage? Schwarzenegger? Yeah, the one with like... Where they're like the... He's done like... Yeah, the, like two the, other ones. They're like yeah. the, the cops that like go in and... Yeah. Was it Sabotage? I'm, I think so. I don't, yeah, I don't right know. There. And he's got like a cool like Hitler youth haircut. Yeah, he's had some time on his hands mm-hmm. since he's he's stepped out of office. He's like, I'm bored. I want to do something now. <laughs> since he had to pay off his his maid. Yeah, <laughs> he had to, to make some off, more money. Need to pay and off his maid. cigars failed. <laughs> yeah, he tried to open up his own line of cigars. Oh, really? Uh, when he was governor. No, nothing says cigars like Austrian bodybuilding political player. <laughs> Anyways, so for next time we've got identity uh, from the Wayback Machine in 2003. I say way back because it it feels like forever. That's when I was in high school, dude. Still. We were both in high school, you know. But I was in graduate school. No, you weren't. You were no. in high school. Gosh, yeah, if on. graduate is middle. <laughs> <laughs> Any anyway, so uh, join us next time. We'll be here, and you know what? We're, we're the only podcast that, like Kim, becomes the monster that we vow to destroy. And like Kim, we wish that you suffer even after you die. Some kind of monster. This monster lives. Dum, 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 dum.